benched. Hi everyone and welcome to the Dodging Sleep podcast. We're recording this on the 28th of September and regular listeners will know we always start with an on this day in Dodgers history. So on this day, 28th of September in 1988, in his last regular start of the season, um, a certain guy called Oral tossed uh, 10 shutout frames to extend his streak to 59 and in doing so um, he broke Don Drysdale's record of 58 consecutive scoreless innings that had been established all the way back in 1968. One effort. Um, so who have we got on the pod today? We got we got young Ian. Ian Blees, how are you doing? Um, I'm very good thanks mate, very good. I'm feeling nice and warmed up and ready for this evening. Sounds good. Sounds good. And and also and also doing all of the tech and the production as ever. Mr. Leon Boyne. How are you doing, Leon? Oh, I'm shattered. <laughs> Quite <a> fine, <laughs> Very little story. This is this the story of a, a, a UK Dodgers fan. So I've got an app now which tracks my sleep disturbances, <laughs> uh, which basically measures how often I wake up. Uh, last night I went to sleep and was like, I'm not going to watch the game uh, and woke up a million times, it seems. So I had eight separate sleep disturbances, which involves me checking the score. <laughs> it was a tight game. There was bases loaded. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's why I'm tired today. Nobody need ever question why we call this the Dodge and Sleep podcast. And finally, you got me, old Ian, Ian Carlson, trying to keep things moving and not fall asleep because it's nearly my bedtime, clearly, as I'm the old one. Um, right, we will start, as usual, with our, our review. It's been a few weeks since we did a pod, unfortunately. So r- rather than reviewing the game since we last podded, in which case we'd probably be here till Christmas, we're just going to do the last 10. So that was the final game of the three-game sweep against the Giants. We then took three from five against Arizona two from three against the Cardinals and obviously we we unfortunately lost the first in the series last night against the Padres so six and four out of the last ten um sort of record that most teams would be very happy with um Ian what did you what did you make of it oh, doesn't really matter does it um so <laughs> uh, no I mean it, it does matter obviously we've still been we've still been fine we've now we've now secured the the number one uh, seed in the in, in the National League uh, for the for the playoffs when that comes around. Uh, I think we, we are we do appear to be experimenting a little bit more. We're trying a few things out. We're giving players chances who who uh, chances to prove themselves where uh, uh, where where they may not have otherwise got them in 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 games that mean a little bit more. Um, we're throwing we're throwing up pitches to to players on the verge of milestones. Um, uh, and and getting them there a lot quicker, it seems. Uh, obviously, referring to the Albert Pujol seven hundred, uh, sorry, well six hundred and ninety ninth and seven hundredth home run in uh, in game one of the series versus the uh, uh, the Cards uh, last week. Um, but generally speaking, it's a it's been a bit of a I I found it a bit of an interesting watch recently. I think it seems like we've obviously settled into this sort of uh, Trace Thompson Cody Bellinger platoon. Fair enough. Seems to make sense. Trace is Trace is doing well against lefties. Bellinger isn't um, doing well against anybody, um, really. Um, it's 
it just seems that Roberts is now in full trial and error mode um, for the postseason, and it's such a great luxury to have to be in this position at this stage at this stage of the season to be able to to try things out. Uh, last night, obviously, we lost against the Padres, uh, and I know we're going to talk more about a certain uh, Mr. Kimbrell, whose back-to-back walks uh, brought that game to a conclusion this morning, last night. Um, but what I was really encouraged by to a certain degree, is that Robert said, right, you go you go pitch to Manny Machado. Go and pitch to Manny Machado. Um, and he struck him out. And now lifetime in his career, Manny Machado was over 12 against Craig Kimbrell. Um, over 11 before last night. And he trusted him in that situation. And Kimbrell came up big under pressure. It was only when it seemed like he'd done the hard work that he struggled and he couldn't find... He couldn't keep the, you know, the strikes, the pitches on on a plane to the plate. He was pitching them all outside. It was really hard work to watch at about six this morning, uh, watching him watching him struggle. But I'm still encouraged by the fact that he managed to get that strikeout of uh, of one of the better hitters, one of the most clutch hitters in the league, in in Manny Machado. So as much as it's been an, an interesting watch, six and four over the last. 10 it, it, it's still it's still a good result if you were to look at Dodgers Twitter I think that you'd think that we'd, we'd lost um, 27 of the last 30 at various points uh, and we, we've not we've still been winning every series or we haven't lost a series in, in quite some time and I just kind of think that we're in we're in a place now where we can we can take the time we can we can try different things out. We can trust players in different spots and we can see what, what our best options are come the postseason, which is when things really start to get exciting again now. Indeed, it's a, it's a good position to be in. Leon, what, what, what's your take? Uh, it, was, it was a bit of a strange one last week because th- th- those games against the Diamondbacks seemed never ending. Um, <laughs> yeah. Double header. Which double header, yeah. Good, good day. Um, the Dodgers were pretty... Crap uh, for most of, of game one, uh, sort of exploding the eighth, and then they were, they were poor in, the, in the, the game after. So I was sort of after obviously after that first uh, defeat against Cardinals I was, I was, as well. I was like, this has been a pretty crap week, um, and you sort of had the games up. And my maths is terrible, but I think I might have this maths right. Um, over those to that ten game stretch, it's six hundred winning percentage. Yeah, so simple maths. So I obviously need uh, well clarification because it's been a long day. Um, and that is still better than the majority of teams have achieved over the course of the season in baseball. Um, so it was actually a pretty good week. Um, as we say, we've won 106 games already. We've still got eight games left. Um, and uh, as Ian says, we, we are experimenting a little bit. We've got that flexibility to try different things, to try and get Kimball back in the groove that he picked up when he, he started using Frozen as his walk-on song. Um we're looking at people like Michael Grove as well, who had a really good act in the other day, just the one hit uh, and one run, I think it was, against the Cardinals. Because um, obviously, he's, you know, we've got a few holes in the pitch that we might need to, to, to fill for next season. Um, so, you know, I don't like losing games, but as Ian says, at this point, it doesn't really matter that much. We've still got, we've won the division, we've won the, uh, the home, home field advantage in the National League. It's just a case of just ideally we want to wrap up home home field advantage mm. for the World Series as well. 
if we get there. Um, so we've still got the advantage on that over, over the Astros at the moment. Um, I think the magic number is three for that. So it's, it's not been bad at all. Um, it's just, For me, it's just about getting the guys tuned up and ready to go and keeping them fit. Um, I think at this stage, my biggest worry is that gap between the end of the regular season and the start of the NLDS. Um, I'm not a fan of the, the big wildcard gap. I know this, it's an attempt to get more baseball played and give more teams a chance, but the Dodgers are going to be sitting for, for four or five days without a game at all. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it almost to me, it feels like it gives the, the momentum to the team that comes through that wildcard round. Um, so it's, it, I'll be interested just to see how the Dodgers sort of manage that gap, uh, which is upcoming and, and, and keeps everyone fresh and ready to go. Yeah, it's a good point about that because it's not as though baseball is a physical sport in the way that basketball or football are and, and the teams get in the bike and genuinely put people on ice, so to speak, and let them rest and, and, and recuperate. Actually, with baseball, you get that that rhythm going, that momentum going, and you sort of want to keep it going. And you're right, too long a break could, could be a disadvantage for, for some. Um, it's interesting on the home field advantage throughout and and whether you know these final few games matter. By, by my um, maths, I think, the uh, the trash can beaters have, have played one game more than we have so far. So they've got seven to go. So the most they can get is 109 wins. Um, we've got eight left. And, and funnily enough, your point about uh, playing 60, 60, 40 over the last 10 games. If, if we do that again, that does indeed get us above the magic number. That gets us kind of rounded to 111. So, so yeah, if we, if we do that for the remainder of the season, we're home and hose, and that's assuming that that the the trash can guys win out, which you know they may well not if they start if they start resting people as well. So um, so yeah, it'd be nice to um, be nice to win the next couple against the Padres. Are, are we? I'm not sure of the actual standings. Can we actually? Can we help knock them out? Or they're they're not guaranteed in the wild card yet, are they? So no, um, the wild the wild card stands at the moment. Um, they've got a two. Uh, Two and a half games, isn't it? Over the over the, um, they're two and a half games ahead of the Brewers. Is that right? Yeah, two and a half games ahead of the the Phillies, uh, who are then one and a half games back. Gotcha. Yeah, so they're, they're almost there. Um, I, th- I think they're in. They're in. Yeah, it, for me, for the Padres, it's just like kicking them in the ass again and, and <laughs> taking that little bit of confidence away from them. Um, that they, you know, they've. They've, 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 it's a boost for them last night to have beaten us they've struggled against us the last sort of year mm. so um, so you don't want them sort of you know if you lose a series 2-1 well, it's not the end of the world if you if you, if we get swept it's also not the end of the world but it gives them that confidence boost going you know we've got three other yeah. now we've yeah. got to play them three times or, or you know, potentially three times at this place again um, you don't want them going into it with that that little bit of confidence because they have got pitches that can on their day step up Mm. Again, last night was a typical Blake Snell start against the Dodgers where we don't get many hits against the guy. Um, he's not particularly efficient against us, but we don't get many hits, we don't score many runs. And previously, we'd seen the case of you know the Padres' bullpen would then come in and, and give up the runs and, and we'd take the game. Um, so again, it, it's as I say, you know, they've, they've got seasoned pitchers who know how to, who have postseason mm. experience. So as I say, the next couple of games for me is just a case of, of going to them, remember your place lads <laughs> we are the superior team and we we you know yeah we can beat you at will which which should be the case we given that we've got such a significant lead over them in the division 
Indeed. I think whatever happens in the uh, going back to the, the gap in the postseason, whatever happens, we, we don't particularly want a, a nice close walk over in the wildcard round. We could do with a few extra innings and a um, bit of bit of argy bargy and bases uh, benches clearing maybe as well, and just a bit of fun just to um, just to stress that whoever gets through it out a little bit. But um, but but anyway. Um, so yeah, not bad. We're, we'll take six wins out of ten. Most most other teams would. Um, of course, we lost last night, and Ian's already touched on it um, with a, with a blown save from from Mr. Kimbrell. Um, it's funny. I, I we touched on him. I think one of our earlier pods for this season, and I dug out my 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 notes. Look how organised I am. I dug out my notes that I made for that pod, and and we were comparing him to Kenley, and sort of career ERA. He was better than Kenley. Wins above replacement for a career. He was slightly ahead. Um, even the the save percentage, he was ahead. So so on sort of paper, it, it you know it it wasn't a bad deal. Um, looking at it though, for this year as a whole, um, in isolation rather, his his ERA is over four. Um, save percentage is down at eighty one, and his his career average was just below ninety. Um, and he he just creeps into the top ten in terms of. Um, uh, sort of save opportunities and and, and saving um, save percentage o- over the course of the season. Though interestingly, he he creeps in. Josh Josh Hader looking at it is there twice, which and this just shows how quickly you can fall off because he was at ninety four percent for the Brewers. He's now down as an average for the whole season at eighty nine because he's only at seventy one percent down in in LA South. So it shows how things can change quite quickly. Um, it, there's a lot on on Dodgers Twitter about. You know, do we get rid of him? Can we trust him? And all the rest of it. My my thinking always with sports, whether you're talking about a player or a coach or a manager or anybody, is if you're going to replace them, do you know you've got somebody better? He might, whoever they are, may not be perfect. You know, let's be honest, nobody is. But but it's very easy to say get rid of somebody. But have you definitely got somebody better coming in? Um, and and as things stand, if it was the final game of the World Series and you were sort of two up. In fact, I was, I was thinking this through. If you were final game of the World Series, you were two up and the opponents had their top three batters about to come up. Would you still be happy with Kimbrell going out for the save or would you want somebody else? And if you'd want somebody else, who is it? Kershaw on short rest? Don't know. A um, lot of waffle there. A lot of waffle. Um, Ian's just frowned at me for saying Kershaw on short rest. So I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a you. What's, what's your thoughts on on Kimbrell and closing and, and all the rest of it? I think it's really interesting because um, personally for me, I I think it's probably justified that he's, he's lost his his spot as the automatic closer. Uh, I, he's not been he's not been doing the business. He's he's not been doing it. But interestingly, the scenario that you just laid out right there, we are two up. The best three batters of the opposition are coming are, are coming up. In uh, in my head, I went straight to Game Seven of a World Series. And you know what? I think he's the only person I would want to come in in that situation because the rest of them haven't been there and they haven't done it. Um, and I think if I'd almost rather put them, I'd almost rather put the the, the Plan Bs, um, your Gratterols, your Chris Martins, uh, into a spot where Kimbrell has 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 lost some of the opportunity without blowing the whole thing. And give them an excuse for not getting it and taking the pressure off them, than I would sending them out there in the situation that you just gave. 
Um, I mean, thankfully, I don't make these decisions. Thankfully, there's someone with far more knowledge than me um, in, uh, who, 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 uh, who makes all these. But I, I think that's the intricacies and the dynamics of baseball. And that generally speaking, do I want Craig Kimbrell closing games for our team right now? No. But in the situation that you just uh, that you just laid out there, I, I I don't think there's anyone else that I would trust more than him in that situation, simply because of what he's done before. He's been there and done it. The occasion, uh, the occasion itself won't get to him. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what Leon thinks about it, but like I say, that particular situation for me was on that. Actually, maybe he's worth a place on the roster, even if we're not going to. Uh, automatically give him, the, give him the same opportunities? Um, I mean, looking at it uh, at sort of face value as it stands at the moment, the, the thought of Craig Kimball coming into safe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Game seven of the World Scary scares the absolute living shit out of me, um, to be honest, <laughs> uh, given what we've seen over, over the course of this season. Um, but then I don't think I could handle Kershaw coming in and, and the heartache <laughs> that would potentially come with with a blown save from Kershaw in Game 7 of a World Series. Um, so, I mean, as a sort of sacrificial lamb, yeah, give it, give it bloody uh, Craig Kimbrell. Um, but as I say, as, as Ian says, um, he's the guy who's probably got the most experience in those particular situations. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to throw someone like Phil Bickford in there, for example, um, mostly because he stinks the place up this season. Um, but you want, you want that experienced head who... It has shown in the past that they can handle the pressure. That uh, you has shown at various stages this season that you can handle the pressure. Um, yeah, so I mean, he is potentially still, you know, the, the most experienced player in that position and for that particular moment in this uh, in this scenario. Um, personally, I still think he makes the, the postseason roster. Um, I've not got much faith in in, in Blake Trinan um, making it, to be honest. Um, he has more faith in other stuff than surgery, which he should have got earlier in the season. Um, so I think there's going to be a spot there. But then I think ultimately we need to be in a situation like we were at the last World Series where we can throw someone in to eat the last three innings like we were able to do with Hilo Urias, mm. which might be that's that might be the spot for Dustin May. I know he's, he's obviously struggled a little bit since he came back, but yeah. there's, there's still space for a long, a long reliever. I think that's a good shout. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've also got, um, I mean, obviously Evan Phillips has been um, generally speaking out outstanding throughout the course of the season. He's been a a real, for me personally, and real unexpected uh, high spot. Uh, Alex Vessi has carried on, uh, carried on doing what he's carried on doing what he's doing. The odd blip, you know, the odd blip here and there as you, as you'd forgive him for. Um, But these, those are set up guys. Those are set up guys that they want to get you into that position. And that's what they've been doing really, really well. Obviously, they were hoping Trinan's coming back and he's the obvious challenger for uh, for Kimbrell uh, in terms of that that closer spot. You're right, he's he's just not. He's just not um who we need him to be right now. And I and I don't I don't think he makes it either. I think Kimbrell does make it. I don't know I, like you say, I don't know quite where he fits. I think Dustin May will probably end up starting games for us, um, but um, but it, but it's a really it's a really tricky one. Obviously, the postseason you have a short leash. Uh, Tyler Anderson hasn't looked as dominant in recent weeks as he has 
um, as he has for most of the season. Um, I, I actually don't know where we're up to with with Tony, but it's a it's a big Tony Gonsolin. I don't I don't know. It's a big ask for him to come back and be and, and be ready to to do what he's been doing. He, think, um, he started uh, last night for OKC, which I think was two innings. And I think the expectation is he rejoins the roster uh, for the next next uh, time round. Um, so he's, so he's you know, going to be coming in with one game? Yeah. Um, so, again, it might be... Again, last time out, we, he, he wasn't going deep into his uh, into his starts in the postseason. Uh, it might be a case of sort of piggybacking some of the guys on. Uh, as you say, maybe a combination of mm. Heaney, May... Uh, Gonsolin, sort of trying to take us as, as, as deep as you can get into games. Almost like they did with uh, Pepio and Grove the other day um, where we needed them, you know, get us to the end, uh, get us through that game and, and save the uh, the bullpen, which ultimately didn't really work because um, they blew the next game. Um, but again, yeah, that's, you know, I think that's one of the potential options. I mean, I just want to touch on Alex Vestia as well, um, who probably doesn't really get the credit he deserves. Um so I remember when he started out last season, I was like, this guy's utter trash. He seems to throw missiles, you know, way above the strike zone. Um, but he's been unreal, uh, to be honest. His uh, last 30 games, uh, he has given up just 12 hits. Uh, and he's, uh, he's running within ERA in his last 30 of uh, 1.3, uh, which sort of trends quite close to what Evan Phillips has, has, has had over the season. Um, but Vesir has, has been fantastic. I, I really think he's been... You know, a hugely underrated asset to the Dodgers uh, bullpen and, and the team. He's this year's Phil Bickford, right? He is. Yeah. Oh. But again, you can look at, you know, <laughs> including last season, his, his career ERA is three, which is, is really, really solid for a reliever. Uh, again, a guy we probably didn't expect to be relying on. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Alex Vasier. Yeah, I think, I think one thing's certain from where we were. At the start of the season, when we still had Bueller and we kind of thought May was coming back, and we had Kershaw and Gonsu and Arias, it, it, it it's a little bit more wobbly now than would be ideal. Let's let's be honest. But I think I think I think we've proven in previous years you can mix and match and be a little bit experimental, and, and quite often it, it works. One thing, of course, we haven't touched on in, in, in different scenarios, um, and I mentioned Kenley earlier. Of course, it's still possible we could be uh, seeing Kenley against Kimbrell in a very tight game to close out either the divisional or championship series, um, which could be, um, yeah, that that'd be interesting. Two blows. <laughs> of course, the best thing in all of this would be if our um, our our batters just you know put sort of so many runs between us that it really doesn't matter and we're 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 pitching um outfielders or whatever in the final couple of innings i mean that would that would that would be quite quite nice wouldn't it <laughs> i'm not sure about the pitching outfielders but yeah if the if the, if the hitters can get and to be honest with you that is the story of the season so far we've been so far ahead we've been able to keep the pressure off i, I can't remember as uh, you know we, at the start of the season we were looking at the starting rotation and we were worried about it and uh, this is before all the injuries and we're going, oh, you know, Andrew Heaney, Tyler Anderson, Tony Gonsolin. We knew we were missing Dustin May until the, the back end of the year. Kershaw's had his problems. Arias, yeah, he was he, he was good last year. Uh, and obviously he's ended up being very incredibly good this year. But was he was he really a proven was he really a proven starter? And we're, and we're all worried about it. 
but I can't remember us throwing less bullpen games. Um, certainly at this point of the season, no. like this part of the season in the last few years, with seems like every third or fourth game was like, oh, okay, we're going with the bullpen games. Why are we keeping the starters fresh? Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've we've just not been we've not been doing that. So I think the yeah. the, the options there and and the long long relief options and which give us that sort of opener follower kind of um, dynamic that we've not had in previous years. Uh, it's it's an exciting time as we come into the postseason. I think, I think it, a, lot, a lot of it rests on uh, on how deep we can get Tyler Anderson into games as well. Um, I know, as, as you say, he's not been quite as sharp as he uh, as he was earlier in the season, but he's still going six, seven innings, uh, which in in the majority of his games, which is is he's going to be huge going into the postseason uh, for me. Um, so I think he's <laughs> he's he's a very important piece for us. I think uh, going forward as well. I think that's a good point. I think it's also the, 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 the going back to the point about getting a big enough lead that we don't need them. If you look at some of the other stats, you know, of, of, of three other sort of playoff bound teams, you know, you've got Jansen, he's had 44, of course, it's classed as saved opportunities, but you could say as games where the batters didn't get a big enough lead. So he's had 44. Is it Clace or Class at, at, at the Guardians? He's had 43. Diaz at the Mets has had 34. Um, you know, I think I think yeah, yeah, Kimbrell's had a few disappointing outings, but I think we've got the ability to more than most to make sure we don't actually need to be looking for save games during the during the playoffs. I know games can be a bit closer, but um but anyway, we shall um we shall see and, and no doubt watch it behind fingernails or the back of the sofa or whatever from time to time. Um We're moving on. We're moving away from the Dodgers for a little bit. Um GB Baseball. For those who might have missed it a few days ago, 21st of September, I think it was, um, came from behind against Spain for a 10-9 walk-off win to qualify for the um, World Baseball Classic for the very first time, which is in March next year. Um, it even made the BBC Sport News. Leon, Ian, 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 get the words right. Leon, Ian, there we go. Say my own name. Either of you, like, who'd like to start on this one? A big grins there. Some Really good news, Ian. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was um, one of the most nerve. I, I don't think I've been that uh, that that nervous, that nerve wracked, that intensely engaged in a game since that that game when the Arias closed out in twenty twenty. Um, it was. I was. Uh, hoping my boss isn't isn't listening to this. I was I was at work. Uh, I was at work that night, and I was I was cracking on with, um, uh, with with doing a few spreadsheets on my on my work laptop, and I had my own laptop up, uh, popped up watching the game uh, in the corner. Started off with I was just checking in on the score once in a while, watching the replays of hits. Uh, obviously, once once we get into the stage where we've come right back into it, because we were a long way down at one point. Um, we've come right back into it. We end up taking the game to extras. Ah, no work's getting done. You know, you know, um, it, it, it was absolutely ridiculous. Some some incredible at bats. I mean, uh, I, I I never know where to pitch this in terms of uh, understanding of the game and the and dynamics and situation reading and, and that kind of stuff. But there was a particular pitch uh, that was uh, that was thrown. I think it was. Um, uh, I think it was a a two one pitch that was that was thrown uh, to uh, the lad who hit the home run to tie it up the GB and 
uh, and he didn't swing at it. And it was a pitch that was really in the slot, just off center, inside half, right in the right in the middle, height wise, right in the middle of the strike zone and the inside half. And he didn't swing at it. And the guy was fuming. Uh, he was absolutely so. He was so angry with himself, and he managed to. He stepped out the box. You could see he's like, oh, my God, I've missed my chance. That was the one. If I'd swung at that, that's my best opportunity. That is the equivalent of a of, a, of an underarm dolly to a, a seasoned professional uh, baseball player getting that pitch. Um, and I just, in that moment, I thought, I think that, that might be gone. It might be gone. He's not going to be able to compose because these guys, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not professionals who've been there and done it all before. Most of the guys in the GB team are, uh, I think GB over over and above any other um, team in the World Baseball Classic had ten players involved in Major League Baseball organizations. None of which had played Major League Baseball level yet. Although um, one of which I think will probably get there next year, um, and that was uh, Harry Ford at the at the at the Mariners. Um, but these guys, they're not. They're not the professionals who, who, who remain calm under pressure. These are guys who are keen to grab the spotlight and impress, and therefore you, almost you, you would expect them to be prone to try and grab grab the spotlight, to, to swing at pitches they shouldn't, and to potentially make mistakes. This guy came back, and he hit the next pitch a mile. The very next pitch, after being so angry at not swinging at the pitch before, he hit the next pitch an absolute mile. He stayed in it. He put the barrel in the way of the ball. He, he and and he timed it absolutely wonderfully. And this is this is why I talk the intricacies of baseball. Um, it, it, everything about that was was spot on. He didn't try and take the cover off the ball. He just got the swing right, and everything else worked. And that's the way baseball works. And I think for a lot of guys who approach hitting. They all want to try and um, turn up and 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 hit the ball as as hard as they possibly can, almost off a tee. Whereas actually, if you get the timing right, you don't need that sort of that that, that raw power. It, it's it, the timing is so important, and that at bat was one of the best moments I, I think I've experienced uh, as a as, as a baseball fan. Uh, I've got some some. Connection. I know Drew, the head coach of, of GB Baseball. Uh, I know it sounds like a bit of a name drop there. I've just thrown in there, but uh, but Drew Spencer, he's a really nice guy. He's he's been he's been in that post since he replaced Liam Carroll about three or four years ago, uh, and everyone was really impressed with how far Liam had taken the team. There were lots of eyebrows raised when Drew came in, and I'm absolutely delighted that for the first time in Great Britain baseball history, we're going into the world baseball classic it's absolutely phenomenal news it's it, it's an achievement that you couldn't possibly have have seen coming and i've probably spoken for far too long and hopefully liam's uh, liam i'm getting names wrong now hopefully leon has got things left to say yeah i mean it's just a, a great sense of pride um i know it's, it's a pretty small community a baseball community in the uk um and the, the community involved and that player part in actual British baseball is even smaller. Um, so you get to come across some of the guys that are involved, like Liam Carroll, I was lucky enough to meet um, sort of a few years ago. He ran a coaching session down in, 
in central London invite it was open invite and it, you know we sat we did an open table with with some of the GB guys it was a really good experience and as a as Ian says Drew Spencer then you know continued what what Liam uh, started and there are other guys involved as well from the London Mets where where Drew's come from like Jonathan Kramer for example um, so it's not just a bunch of, of guys with British connections uh, via passports that are involved. There are guys who who have roots and have been bought, you know, born and brought up in the UK that are involved in the GB setup, which I think is important to point out. Um, I think as, as, as Ian says, it was just fantastic to watch. It was on MLB TV. It was live on YouTube. Um, you know, we were following it along in group chats with guys that wouldn't usually watch GB baseball and everyone was, you know, on the edge of their seats. And I think coming back from such a, a poor first inning as well, they were 4-0 down. Um, and the the guy with the at-bat, I think it's Jaden Reed um, who hit home run. Um, he, he dropped a fly ball, a very sort of simple looking catch in the first inning. And, and that allowed another run. But, you know, they stuck together and they really bounced back well. Um, and it was it was, a, it was a crazy sort of, you know, bottom of the... T- it was the 10th, wasn't it? 10th, 10th inning where we, uh, it all went down. It was... It was you know, it started off terribly. There was a, a, a poor bunt attempt, which gave up an out straight away. Um, there was the, you know, there was a crazy play at third, which again, huge credit to Drew Spencer. Um, the runner was actually called out uh, at third, but he challenged it. Um, again, you know, on, on first watch, you're like, that guy's toast, absolute toast. He challenged the play and he got it turned over and that flipped the, you know, completely changed the narrative of the situation. Uh, and put the game right in GB's hands with man on third and 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 one out. You know, pretty much if you're making good contact, that's that's the game over. And it, you know, it's it's a huge moment. And what it now does is it opens it up to guys, other guys, um, who are playing in the major leagues at the moment, like Lucius Fox uh, of the Nationals, uh, like Jazz Chisholm, who both of them have played for GB before as well in the the last set of qualifiers. Uh, obviously, they, they weren't allowed. Uh, Players who are on the 40 on Russell weren't allowed to play in the qualifiers. Um, so now you're opening up to sort of a you know much sort of hopefully a much wider pool of, of more experienced players as well. Um, so what this could potentially do for GB baseball is, is absolutely huge. Um, obviously, Young Ian is, is involved with Liverpool baseball and he does some great stuff there, but this, you know, this could take you know, he could help take that particular club uh, who have been around for a very long time and are so well thought of in the in the baseball community to the next level. It's going to get people interested. You know, you saw the next day that, you know, the the, the Olympics account were tweeting the, uh, their congratulations. It was on BBC Sport. The GB uh, baseball account was verified. Um, you know, there was a lot of fig, well-known baseball figures now talking about GB baseball. Uh, John Morosi was tweeting about it. You know, all sorts. It just it could make such a huge difference to the sport at grassroots and, you know, in this country. It was a very, very proud moment. Yeah, no, it's amazing stuff, and, and you you follow that up with with the BBC showing via the the, the red button the um, the Yankees Red Sox game a few days ago, and obviously we've had the games over here, and there's there's more on the way, and it's just you know it's just starting to build momentum, and it, you know imagine if we had a couple of headline grabbing results next year, and then you, you you go straight into spring training and the and the MLB season, you can just start it. You know, there's a bit of a bit of a wave there, hopefully, in terms of interest increasing in the in the uk which would be brilliant 
No doubt. We might even do a few extra special pods. Who knows next spring when, when it's on? Um, talk about GB rather than the Dodgers. Um, if I'm not on the coaching staff, I'll, uh, <laughs> I won't be. <laughs> if, if you're on the coaching staff, I'll be in your suitcase. So, uh, so there we go. Um, <laughs> ne- next night, we are we're, we're, we're returning to the topic of our dream team, and, and we're doing all of the outfield tonight, which which is something that Young Ian said when we were chatting before we started recording earlier. He said, uh, "said Oh yeah, there'll be lots of debate on this one." Well, clearly there won't be lots of debate at all because the three players are Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, and Chris Taylor. And yes, I am picking Bellinger in his MVP season form and I am picking Chris Taylor so they're done um I'll throw I'll, 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 I'll throw it over Ian's the one who's laughing the most at that so um let, let, let's hear you lots of debate before we agree it's Betts, Bellinger and Taylor I mean look both players have incredibly uh incredibly strong cases to be to be included um uh, it's no when you say when you I've when did... you say sorry when you say both plays you say Betts is in or is in automatically so we're not even going to debate his spot was that that the obviously yes yeah. good, it's good. just checking it's, it's just checking it's, it's it's Mookie Betts plus two others and and I cool. think that's that 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 should be fair, fairly obvious you know given that we're talking about this thing I know he's only been around for oh it feels like so much longer than the than the three seasons he's done with us um, but. Um, but yeah, he's already won uh, won a place in the uh, you know in the hearts and minds of Dodgers fans um, and really fans of baseball. Uh, yeah. So uh, so yeah, Betts is in. There is no doubt in my in my mind about that one. Um, Cody, um, honestly, he's given us two of the best individual seasons uh, since I became a Dodgers fan. His Rookie of the Year season in 2017. Uh, his MVP season of 2019, uh, certainly uh, his first two thirds anyway of that 2019 season, they were truly incredible, beyond belief. Um, so it's not a surprise that he hasn't been able to keep that pace up. It is a surprise that since his various injuries, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, well-documented shoulder injury following the high five uh, with Kike um, and uh various leg injuries uh, uh, like the start of uh, last season. Um, he's, I just think he's played around far too much with what is a good product. Um, I'm sure that there are other examples um, of, of products that have been played around with too much. Um, but, I, you know, it's like trying to mix peanut butter with petrol. Like, why bother? <laughs> um, it, he's... He's got this explosive, powerful swing, and he's got this. He got. He had this stance that worked for him. He was susceptible to the low breaking ball, which actually, in all honesty, these days he's been crushing or laying off. Um, but he can't hit a fastball. He can't hit anything up in the zone. And for a power hitter, that's going to be a major problem. And I think you're really going to struggle. I think you would struggle to automatically um, put. Uh, put Belly into into this. If we were talking at the end of 2019, even the end of 2020, I think you could probably look at it and go, yeah, Bellinger's in. Bellinger. Um, you know, Betts is on his way. He's been there for one year at that point. Um, but there's lots of other debate about about other players. For me, Bellinger, oh, I don't know. I, I think I just about edge him in. I think I have to. Those two seasons that he's had have been better than anybody else 
uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think potentially, it's, uh, inclu- potentially including bets. Yeah, I think he hit more homers yeah. than bets has this year in and his rookie a, year. And as I said, I think if, <laughs> if we're picking a dream team, I think it's fair to pick people on at peak form rather than than, than an average. But uh, but so okay, so you can stretch it stretch it to Cody. Who's your who's your third? Scott Van Slyke. Uh, <laughs> My third is, and I've had, I, I just think, I just think the, and you'll know where I'm going with this straight away and hope, um, but, um, but I think just because of the October memories and the fact that he was the first of this young brood of, of Dodgers to come through, um, it's Jock for me. Um, you know, I, I also think that, you know, with Jock, Bellinger, Betts, outfield is, is is pretty tasty defensively as well, to be honest. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I for me for me it's Jock. Uh, I know um, he's he's pretty one dimensional. Uh, generally speaking, he's only going to get at bats against right handed pitchers. Um, but I I I just I just. Some of the memories that that Jock's given me, some of the clutch home runs in October, the the way he managed to ignite the clubhouse on a regular basis, just by the way he looked, just by his enthusiasm for the game, these are things that are infectious. They are uh, invaluable to sort of like a team morale, mm. to to like the ethic behind everything. Um, and you, you know, I just think I just. If you wanted to build the perfect baseball player to to um, to to build your ball club, and I don't mean around from a talent point of view, I mean sort of in the community to get people on side. Um, to to me, the way he did that, it seemed effortless. I never saw him doing uh, doing a public event, getting sent to a hospital to shake sick kids' hands, and he never looked. Um, he he never looked. Um, like he was unhappy to be there. He looked like he was so keen to, you know, to, to, to be involved and to do what he, what he can to help the community, to help uh, the club within the community and to help those people. You know, I genuinely believe he's one of the nicest guys in baseball and it will take a, uh, it'll take a scandal of some kind uh, to, to shift me off that, that hopefully uh, never surfaces. There we go. There we go. Leon. <laughs> I mean, again, my choice is it's, it's very difficult to to argue with the, the players that Ian's put in because um, throughout my time in supporting the Dodgers, they've... Uh... There's two Ians. I'll take. I'll assume that's me. <laughs> I mean, you're always right. I can't, you can never argue with them. So, um, in, in terms of sort of the players I'm going to go for, Mookie Betts obviously takes spot number one. Um I mean, you think back, there's been so many moments already where you think, bloody hell, that's, that's incredible. Um, but there was one moment in particular that always stands out for me, which was stand out for a lot of Dodger fans as well, was that home running game six. Now, in terms of us watching, I remember the, the, the group chat, we were very nervous at that point. When that home run was hit, I think we probably all sat up, with, you know, because I tend to lie down and watch it sat on my side, uh, sat in silence, not wanting to wake anyone up if, if you know, when in the big moments... When that home run was hit, that was like, this is it now. It's it's, it's actually happening. Um, it was it was a complete game change. It, it basically that obviously sealed the World Series. Ultimately, there was still the three outs to get, but Mookie Betts 
got us there and he sealed it for us. So he's, you know, assuming we've got many more years of Mookie to come as well. And he's still, still doing the job. Um, in terms of other potential options, I think Andre Ethier deserves a mention. Um, arguably his best times were before 2010. Um, 2009, he had six walk-off hits um, in a single year, which is incredible. Um, and obviously gave him the nickname Captain Clutch. And over a three-year period, he had 11 walk-off hits in total, which um, at a time, probably when the Dodgers weren't at their best um, in that period, obviously it became before all these, you know, the run of winning the NL West. Um, he unfortunately doesn't make it, but he's, he's got, you know, a very nice spot on the bench or running the uh, Sportsnet LA um, broadcast. Um, Matt Kemp as well um, is someone who I'm going to put in there. Um, so Matt Kemp, uh, again, was probably, you know, the, the position player, the anchor of that team um, coming in from 2010. Uh, and it is worth remembering, he should have been an MVP in 2011. Um, Ryan Braun um, won MVP that year, but obviously he followed that up with a huge scandal. Um, so that was the year that Matt Kemp should have been MVP. Um, and I think a lot of people probably forget how important he was for us in 2018 as well. Um, I think, if you, especially at the start of the season, Matt Kemp carried that team in a big way. Um, you know, no one expected him to come back. I was surprised when he did come back. I think most would thought he'd be DFA'd or traded immediately uh, when he did come back, but he was unreal. Um, slowed down a little bit uh, in the second half of the season, but he was an aging baseball player, been around for a long time. Um, a lot of our success that season, getting to the World Series, was thanks to Matt Kemp in the first half of that season. Uh, I believe he made, I think he made the All Star team, didn't he, 2018, uh, which was thoroughly deserved. Um, obviously, we went into that World Series not <laughs> not looking great. Uh, my one sort of ask, other than winning it, was to see Matt, Matt Kemp hit a home run over the Green Munster. Did it in game one. Um, and that was great to see. So Matt Kemp takes the second position in the outfield for me. Uh, and I'm also then going to follow that up with Cody. Um, Cody has had his struggles. Uh, but as Ian says, 2017 was magical. Uh, it came in uh, when the team was struggling. Um, came in as, as a first baseman as well. I think that's worth remembering. Um, and off the back of, uh, of Agon's injuries, um, and he was unreal. I think it was 42, I think he finished the season with, potentially, which was a broker at the Dodgers record. Um, struggled a little bit. Uh, there was obviously a bit of regression the next year, but then 2019 was unreal. Um, you know, it was great baseball to watch. Uh, he was he was just phenomenal that year. Um, and he's, you know, he still continued to have huge hits in the postseason. If you think back to game five, the NLDS last year um, against the Giants, he had the game-winning hit. Uh, in San Francisco, he's still capable. He's just, unfortunately, it's just not there. Um, there was a hell of a lot of injuries, which I still think he, he hasn't fully got over. Um, there's possibly a mental sort of situation there as well, where he gets inside his own head, uh, sits there thinking too much, which you all know he does anyway. Um, but he, for me, will take that final spot. Um, could we get a controversial and platoon in with Jock? Because uh, Jock, Jock Peterson is a, a hero of mine. I love Jock. Um, How are you platooning two lefties? Because I can. <laughs> this is my podcast, where it's our podcast, and we can do what the hell we want. 
So we'll, we'll, have four, we'll have 14 players then. But yeah, we'll have, we'll have 11-man outfield. Because, um, again, Jock was was one of the guys who was, you know, he, he was, when I first started watching the Dodgers, he was the guy who come up and smack the crap out of the ball. My favourite Dodger home run is the the one he hit in off, uh, off Max Scherzer, in fact, in game five of the 2016 NLDS. Um, and it started a rally and we won that series. Um, that's still my, my favourite Dodger home run of all time. Uh, the excitement that little baby showed on his way around the bases. Uh, and, you know, continued to show throughout his time with the Dodgers uh, when, whenever October came round. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the controversial choice of Cody Bellinger and Jock Peterson uh, platoon in the outfield. Sue me. I guess at some point we've got to think about whether we're picking a designated hitter for this, given the rule change. So um, that might feature then. Um, so if you, are you going to toss a coin to pick one or the other or are, you, or are we just sticking two out there? I'm sticking two out there. If not, I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw my toys out the pram and I'll pick Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> Given that it's Leon who, who who controls all the production, I think if we don't put the two of them in, he's probably going to edit it so that we do anyway. It's um, like that we just put Kike in. Kike's already in. Yeah, we'll put him uh, in he's, twice. He's playing two B. <laughs> we'll put him in twice. He's really quick. He can run between the two positions. Well, why don't we put this? We could put this out for out to Twitter, couldn't we? Or all of our listeners. So we've got Cody, we've got Mookie, and you've got a you've got a choice between uh, Matt Kemp and Jock and Jock. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll see. We'll see what the people think. See what the people think. If not, you're decided, mate. You see the uh, the chairman. I'm, I'm more com- I'm more comfortable with a with a with a Kemp uh, with a Kemp Jock platoon than I am a Cody Jock platoon. Just from a just from a logistic point of view. But <laughs> so th- this is why we're sitting in the UK, half asleep, doing a podcast rather than on a bench somewhere in in LA, <laughs> deciding who's going to go out and in what order. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, let us know what you think. Oh, listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us who we've got right, who we've got wrong. Uh, but if any of you say it shouldn't be Mookie, then, then yeah, just go and well, wrong. wash your hair or something instead. Um, so, preview. The, the, the classic part of the pod where we are always woefully wrong. Um, so we've got two more against the Padres. Six. We finished the season with six against the Rockies, all at home. Um, so we've got eight to go. I'm going to give you my prediction, which is that we do enough to get home field advantage all the way through. If we can all change Three. the rules, if we can change the rules <laughs> as, as we go along, then I'm changing the rules on this. We might not need to win any, of course, if uh, if the trash can beaters lose them all. But um, but yeah, Ian. Yeah, eight games left. Two against the Padres, six against the Rockies. Um, Uh, I, I we could secure home field advantage in um in in the next two nights. Um, I, I I don't think we will secure it in the next two nights, but I do think that the the longer that we have that, um, it's almost like then we go into full protection mode yeah. and full um right taking no chances. We're not. You know, not going to allow Trey Turner to to steal bases, for example, uh, just in case. You know, that there's a freak chance of him mm. tweaking a hamstring. 
And uh, so, so we're not going to be uh, the best team. But I still think against these, we'll, 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 we'd struggle to be below 500. So I'll go four and four. Yeah. Seems reasonable. It's an interesting one about the resting people or not taking risks, given the point Leon made earlier about sort of the the gap at the end of the season. So juggling, keeping people fresh and and, and injury free. And I think it's a good point about not stealing bases. I hadn't thought of that. Um, but also wanting them to have enough hours on the clock to keep keep that momentum going. But um, again, it's not it's not our choice or decision. Um, Leon, wh- wh- what do you reckon? Six and two, and I'm going to quote Linkin Park and say, in the end, it doesn't even matter. Um, I think it's just about keeping the guys fresh. Uh, there was an interesting quote from quote quote from Trey Turner, who's hitting above 300, uh, talking about the bad habits he's picked up this year, um, which I'm not quite sure what they are. Um, not seeing them myself, um, but it, it just use that time to keep yourself ticking over, uh, working out any kinks that you, you you feel you might have developed. Keep yourself fresh. Uh, as I say, you know, we've we've already reached the mark that we we've hit in three of the last four seasons of 106 wins. Anything else is 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 a bonus, really. Um, you don't win a World Series based on winning no. 116 no. games in a season, as the, the 2001 Mariners found out. The work really starts uh, once the NLDS kicks off. So keep yourselves fresh, keep yourself ticking over, and yeah, just be happy. Of course, the most important part of all of this, depending on where we end up, is to revisit the very first pod of the season. Adam had 104 wins as his prediction, and we put Scott down for 112. So at the moment, Adam's closest, but depending on um, on how the final few games play out, clearly we could, uh, we could see Scott as the winner. So um, less said about my prediction, the better, but there we go. You might get Scott back on the podcast if he wins it as well. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what my one big fear for the, the uh, for, for the remainder of the season? I don't even know if it's a big fear, actually. Um, 2018, um, we, um, we, we, we won the NL West comfortably. Uh, but no, we didn't, did we? Is that the one we won in there? Uh, that's one, the one we won in the... One six three, yeah. So we, 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 won, um, we won the NL West. We went to the postseason. And we lost to um, a Boston Red Sox team that were clearly head and shoulders the best team in baseball mm. throughout the regular season. And I, and I didn't realise at the time that brings a different kind of pressure. Um, because actually, I think we have been head and shoulders the best team in baseball through the vast majority of the, uh, of the season. Uh, other teams have had their have had their moments, had their months even, um, and and have been very impressive. But we have been across the board the best team in baseball by some margin. You can you can pick your metric and and you'll find Dodgers at number one, maybe number two, um, but the vast majority of number ones. Um, and I'm actually thinking to myself, you know what? Like no one expects to beat us. The pressure is off them. We are the best team in baseball. And if they can manage to keep things close and believe that they have a chance, then that's that's what the, you know. That, that it's a different type of style. And I think I didn't mind as much as we had that uh, incredible. I forget how many innings there were. Let's say seventeen innings uh, uh, game against the uh, uh, against the the Red Sox, where uh, Muncy then walked it off with a homer. 
Um, like I, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't go into that series expecting us to win. The Red Sox were the best team in baseball, and I didn't begrudge them of of their victory. They'd they'd earned it over the course of the year. It was nothing like the the previous year. And my big thing now is I I want us to be as dominant as that Red Sox team was. I want us to see this through to finish with the best record. We're one we're one game away from a franchise record uh, yeah. of one hundred and seven wins. We're the first team to ever in three full seasons win 106 games three times in a row. Um, uh, it's it's absolutely phenomenal what we're doing. And this team deserves to be remembered on that historic level. Not just, oh, it's a great team in the regular season. It's a shame that they had that blip against. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of my worry because there was there was a year forget the year when 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 the Nationals won it and they just came from nowhere and just got on such a tear that they just I know they went all seven against in in the World Series but um, you know is somebody just going to suddenly put together a run of form that is just a phenomenal you know, fifteen games or whatever it ends up being seventeen games something like that and just. Yeah, blitzes through but I think it's, it's quite interesting because obviously the Braves did that last year as well um, where they yeah. started poorly and came from nowhere there's no one's really on that sort of type of streak at the moment other than potentially the Dodgers um, but obviously we've taken our we, we'll, because we can we've taken our foot off the gas a mm. little bit but we're still as we pointed out earlier we're still playing winning baseball yeah yeah Ah, only time will tell, but it's a nice position to be in. We 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 could be uh, we look down the list of what how many wins other teams have got, and you know you wouldn't want to be in Oakland right now, would you? But um, anyway, uh, that's it for the main 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 topics of the agenda tonight. Um, anybody got any final thoughts? Any AOB? You know what? I, I know I know that we discussed this earlier on, and everyone's going to go, no, no, nothing tonight. I've actually just 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 over the uh, just over the course of the podcast, something's come to me which. Uh, and that is, it's about it's about Trey Turner. So um, two things have happened in the last couple of weeks for me. One of them was a conversation, I think, with Leon uh, about half an hour before this pod. Um, and uh, that was about, it's amazing how little we're talking about Corey Seager um, being gone. And that's because of Trey Turner. If we'd uh, had a, um, a, a situation where, uh, a, a team legend uh, had gone and been replaced by uh, Paul DeLuca or or something uh, along those along those lines. Then uh, then you know we might be might be very much craving the, the glory days of of Corey Seager at, at shortstop. But no, we're we're looking at Trey Turner and we're seeing someone who I described a few weeks ago in a uh, in a in a chat room I got linked to off Twitter. Um, uh, as the best all-round shortstop in baseball, and I was challenged on this. Um, you know, people are saying, "Oh, well, no, he's he's not," um, and, and they they throw a few other names out there. And I said, "Well, you can make arguments that there are better defensive shortstops, that there are better uh, hitting shortstops, that there are more powerful shortstops." Um, he is the best base running shortstop. There's, you know, that that's that's not a conversation. And everything else, he's in the top two. Um, and 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 the stats are the stats are there to back that up. Um, he is the best all round shortstop in baseball, um, and I, I firmly believe that 
if he signs a contract and stays with the Dodgers, that he becomes immortal, that he becomes a Hall of Famer, that the Dodgers are able to work with him over the next eight, ten years um, and make him into a legend that he did that he deserves to be. Um, and that's all I wanted to say. Trey Turner, don't sleep on him, right? Just because he's playing in this team with, with superstars, with bigger names, don't forget about him. He is legitimately an absolutely superb player in his own right. And I really think he's in with a, a fantastic chance uh, at this stage of his career, if he can keep things going in the right direction of making it into Cooperstown. And I really hope he signs with us for the long term. Yeah, I think that by, that would be the consensus vote for the most important off-season move the Dodgers can make, wouldn't it? Re- you know, extending him for 20 years or whatever. 97 runs and 97 RBIs for a train turner, which is pretty good. Please sign me this track. <laughs> it's, it's That's my final final words. Cool. Well, I've just just got one from uh, from me. I don't know whether whether she she tunes in and listens to the pod or not. But a very happy seventieth birthday to Young Ian's mum tomorrow. Um, great milestone to reach. <laughs> so uh, so so happy birthday, Young Ian's mum. But otherwise, and a very happy eighteenth birthday to your youngest <laughs> uh, your youngest child, uh, Ian. <laughs> oh, thank you. How, how how old do I feel about that? But never mind. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, but otherwise, thank you everybody for listening. Love to hear your your thoughts as ever on the pod, and in particular on on why Chris Taylor should be the the third pick for the uh, for the outfield dream team. Um, but otherwise, uh, as I say, thanks for listening. Thanks to Leon and Ian for for joining me tonight, and uh, look forward to doing the next one at some point in the future. All the best. <laughs>